0: Good afternoon, Church. It's a privilege to be here to share with you God's Word again. The theme for this month is what to pursue in life. The question is, what do you pursue in life? During this season, many are pursuing medals, you know, during these Olympics. For us, maybe it could be condos. Wow, nice, right? Especially the trees. Okay, Uh, how about... BMW, wow. Okay, some of us cannot afford, it's okay. You know, like me, uh, we can always buy the bicycle. (laughs) Same, you know, the in thing now, in thing now. Yeah. And uh, how about a good degree? A good degree. These are good things to pursue. And uh, a survey was done, you know, by 700 700 people, asking them, you know, what do they want and what do they uh, pursue in life? And um, these are the top 10, but I will just give you five. The first one, happiness. How many of you want to be happy? Okay, okay, the rest are really very happy. Okay, good. (laughs) Okay, Uh, second, money. Oh, money makes us happy. Yeah, so maybe that's why. How about freedom? Number three, freedom. And uh, number four, peace. Number five, joy. Uh, Likely the fourth and fifth uh, Christians. uh, You know, all right? So how about you? How about you? What are you pursuing In life, what are you pursuing in life? How about righteousness? Righteousness. Sounds like a high and divine calling. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, his beloved disciple, saying, Now as for you, men of God, flee these things, flee evil, but pursue righteousness, righteousness. Before he passed on, you know, he repeated this um, in his last letter to Timothy, saying, Flee from evil desire of youth and pursue righteousness. I believe Paul was echoing what Jesus was saying to his disciple, saying that seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Another translation put it this way, Above all, pursue his kingdom and righteousness. Pursue righteousness righteousness now the question is pursue righteousness how does it look like how does it look like that's what we're going to talk about this afternoon but before we do so let's come to god and say god speak to us speak to us about righteousness eternal god and heavenly father we thank you so much for this time that we can come before you to know that lord jesus is our righteousness that even as we come to talk about pursuing righteousness, how does it look like? Open our eyes to behold wonderful truths of Your Word. I was not just hearers, but doers as well, so that You will bring about this life transformation that will glorify Your name. Now, as Your servant, dearly loved by You, speak for Your Word. May the words that come out from my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to You. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Today, we're going to look at this book, Genesis, right from the beginning about the temptation of Joseph. Temptation of Joseph. Many of us are familiar with this story. But before we zoom in, let's zoom out and uh, look at this book uh, as a whole. You see, the book of Genesis can be divided into 11 parts, or what we call the Tododoks. Totodox has this idea of accounts. And um, you can see from um, the screen that basically, you know, account of the heavens and the earth, accounts of uh, Noah, accounts of Esau, and even account of uh, Jacob. So basically today, we're going to zoom into the last dog, and and discover what God has to say about righteousness in this last dog of Genesis. With that, let's take a look. You see, in Genesis chapter 37, the Bible tells us that um, there was this man, Jacob, who has a son, Joseph, and he loved Joseph. Joseph was his favorite. Because of that, the brothers were not very happy with Joseph. One day, the father asked Joseph to go and look for his brothers in the field. Without the father's knowing, the brothers sold Joseph to the and then uh, and told the father that josephs were eaten by an animal oh poor joseph was then uh, sold to an egyptian called potiphar but the law was with joseph through it all now joseph knew that and others could see that including potiphar that is why potiphar started to entrust everything that he had in his household to Joseph. And this is what happened in Genesis chapter 37 and Genesis 39 all the way to 50. Hey. Eh? Where is Genesis 38? Oh. Genesis 38 talk about Judah and Tema. What what about Judah and Tamar of Questions often we ask as we study Genesis. You know, why chapter thirty-eight, right in yeah, before you know um, G- Genesis thirty-nine and after Genesis some thirty-seven? Was it a mistake or is it just a sequence of events? Now, we talk about orthodox and the truth is this: I believe that God has a message for us in these few chapters as we study, as we zoom in and then zoom out. You see, Genesis chapter thirty-eight was a story of um, Judah's two sons who did what was evil in the sight of God, and they died. Tamar was the daughter-in-law, and given the custom then, um, Judah promised to give his third son to Tamar, but he did not. Instead, he slept with Tamar. The chapter ends with Judah's conclusion in verse 26, saying, She... Tamar is more righteous than I, since I, have, I, I wouldn't give her my third son. Then, Genesis chapter 39. Again, why? I believe it's a contrast between Judah and Joseph, a contrast between Tamar and also the Potiphar's wife, which we're going to look at it shortly. So if you are ready, this is how the story Goes. Before I read, um, this is what I learned from my lecturer. There was once he looked at me uh, in my eyes and said, read the scriptures to the people. Even if it's a large chunk of scriptures, read to them. Because every word is precious. Every word is precious. I never forget that moment. And this is what I'm going to do. Verse 1. Now So Joseph found favour in the sight and attended him. He made him the overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From that time, Potiphar made Joseph the overseer in his house and over all that he had. The Lord blessed the Egyptian house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field, everywhere. And so he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. Because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome, in form and appearance. And after a while, his master wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. Okay, I try to sound a little bit more sexy, but this is the best I can do, all right? Okay, so lie with me, all right? But he refused and asked and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in this house, and he put everything that he has in my church. He's is no greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as he spoke to, to Joseph day after day, day after day, day after day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her, and to be with her. But one day... When he went into the house, when Joseph went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was there in the house, Potiphar's wife caught him by his garment saying, lie with me okay sound like ghost huh? okay but, anyway. <laughs> but but he he left his garment you know in her hand and flattened out, out of the house and as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and fled out of the house she called to the men of the household and said to them see see he has brought among us a hebrew to laugh at us he came into me to lie with me and i cried out with a loud voice and as soon as he heard that, I raised, I lifted up my voice and cried out. He left his garment beside me fled, and got out of the house. And he lay beside his garment by her until his master came home. And he told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came to me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lift up my voice and cry, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as his master heard these words, and the wife spoke to him, This is the way your servant, your servant, your servant treated me. His anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners was confined. was with Joseph. And whatever Joseph did, the Lord make it succeed. The Lord blessed the reading of his word. Now Joseph was tempted. He did what was right in the sight of God. He flee. You know, in Hawking we say he siam. You know, and uh, wow what is the secret? What is the secret? Sounds so easy. He flee. Not really. He was tempted every day. Now, you see, Josephus was a hot-blooded young man. And Potiphar's wife must have been such a beauty. Now, how do we know? You see, first thing first, huh? all right. Potiphar was one of the most powerful men in Egypt, the head of Pharaoh's guards. To be his wife, oh, she must have been quite a beauty. The second more obvious answer uh, is um, if she was not a beauty, then it will not be called temptation. It will be called a great escape. So what was the secret of overcoming temptation? I believe Joseph has resolved in his heart to pursue righteousness. How do we know? How do you know? Listen to Joseph's words and we will know. Because out of the overflow of our hearts, the mouth speak. That brings us to the first point of the day. To be Righteous. Only what is given. To be righteous, take only what is given. Listen to what Joseph said. Potiphar is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. Potiphar would have many slaves, but Joseph was special because God was with Joseph. Potiphar saw the difference. Verse 8 tells us that everything was put under the charge of Joseph. Verse 5 and 6, Overseer of all, beside the food he ate, everything, anything, all things under Joseph. But only one thing, his wife. Untouchable. Now, that is not given to Joseph, of course. So Joseph, that is not yours. Don't take, don't take. The Baptist John once said this, a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. Friends, this is God has blessed us with so many things in life, so many things for us to enjoy. But there are some things that God has not given us. So, don't take, don't take. You see, in history, we also see that... Um, Right from the beginning, God has given Adam and Eve the Garden of Eden, but not the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So, don't take. And God has given David, Israel, and Judah, but not another person's wife, Bathsheba. So, David, don't take. Don't take. Even Jesus, God has given him the 12 disciples, but not everyone for him to disciple. So take only what God has given. The question is, my brothers and sisters, what has God given you? And what God has not given you, do you know? Now it's in our nature that uh, we often gravitate towards, you know, the forbidden, right? Let's do a simple experiment. How many of you like to read? Your, oh, not, oh, okay, not many. What do you all do usually? Yeah. All right. Yeah, so so okay. Just imagine, imagine you like to read. Just imagine, all right. Just for this uh, half an hour, all right. You imagine that you like to read, and then we're in this library. There are thousands and thousands of books, and then you are standing there, and then this is the instruction. You can stay as long as you want. You can read as many books as you want, as long as you want, as many as you want. All the books are made available for you, except one book, the book in the center. It's a special book. You must not read it and you must not even look at it. Now tell me, which is the book that you most likely would like to read in your mind? Is it a special book? I think it's that special book. Except those who don't like to read. You know, any book you also don't like, so it's okay. (laughs) But the thing is like, oh that one book, that one book in the center. I, I don't know about the thousands of books, but what is inside that? One book. It is in our nature that we gravitate towards the forbidden. But yet, whatever God has given to us, we are stewards. Whatever that God has not given to us, it's not not ours. So, don't take, don't take. Some of these things could be even good things. Money, possession, or even uh, position. Offer, an offer, or an opportunity. But as we sought the Lord, we realised that it's not for us. Then, brothers and sisters, don't take. Don't take. One of the lessons I've learned about marriage is this. When I say I do to my wife years ago, I have also said I wouldn't to the rest of the world. I understand that not all marriages are always smooth sailing. However, that does not give us the reason to take what is not ours. Marriage is a straightforward example. But how about areas that are not so clear? a job offer, an investment, a career progressions. How do we know that it is of God or not of God? If it's of God, it must be aligned with God's word. And the way to pursue and to have it must also be aligned with God's word. And in the end, we must be able to thank God for it if we find that we cannot thank god for that thing after we have taken it i think we really had to consider again if this is really of god if not given don't take if it's not given don't grab if it's not given don't even think about it especially sin so take only what's yours joseph understood that how about us my brothers and sisters Have you taken something that has not been given to you? What are you pursuing right now? Do you think that God will be pleased with what you are pursuing or the way you do it? Of course, the Lord loves us. He's pleased with us as his children. We are dearly loved by God, but that doesn't mean that God will be pleased always with the things that we hold on to that are not of him. Even if it's good things, it may not be God's thing. In our pursuit, we may even lose sight of God. And I think what is more important is if we are not sure, we should ask God. Seek godly counsel and as God reveals to us, take only what is given. Even with your mask on, I can see from your eyes you look very serious. Alright? Think about it. Think about it. Because this is not the end. There's something more in the story that God wants to teach us About what a righteous man or righteous woman would do. That brings us to the second point for the day. Say only what's true. I remember once I was just trying out a new shirt, you know, and I asked my wife, Hey, I look fat in this. Yeah. Then she paused for a while and said, But you're fat. (laughs) That's very honest of her. And uh, of course, it's true. I'm uh, working on my weight, you know. But isn't it true that often we, we need someone to tell us, the truth in love. The truth in love. And Joseph did that. He always tell the truth. Listen to what he say. My master has no concern about anything in the house. He had put everything that is under his charge into, into my hands. You know, it is true because verse 5 tells us that Potiphar did that. And he continued to say that, you know, except his wife. That is also true. Listen to what Potiphar's wife said. This Hebrew servant whom you brought among us—oh, that's true. Okay. And then uh, he he lost garment and fled. Oh, that is also true. But the one in red came in to me to laugh at me. Hey, that's not true. That's not true, because verse eleven tells us that you know Joseph went into the house to do his work, not to go and laugh at her. And what is more important is that she miss out, and um, a few important words. He added some, and he remo- she 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 added some, and she removed some. She forget the three words. Not "I love you," but "lie with me, lie with me." Added and removed. Half truth, half lies. Since you don't lie with me, then I will lie about you. All this, she planned to tempt Joseph. She made sure that no one was around. But when she needs someone there, she needs witnesses against Joseph. She called, "Come, come and see. Come and see." What a contrast between Joseph and his wife—not his wife, Potiphar's wife. All right, Joseph and Potiphar's wife. What a contrast. One saying only what's true, the other one was lying and scheming to get what she wants. Church, doing what's right is to say only what's true. Matthew chapter 5, verse 37 tells us this, Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. As we learn to walk with the Lord, My brothers and sisters, we must learn and abide with this important principle in life. And that is, we must always tell the truth. Always. And may the Lord tutor us a right more and more to be careful with our words. And I'm not talking about being politically correct, but saying only what's true. A few years ago, I was having a meal with uh, this godly man. And before we ended our meeting, I asked him, is there anything I can pray for you? And he said, um, pray that, you know, I will be able to fulfill all the promises, you know, I have um, made by the end of this year. I look at him and say, what, what, what kind of prayer request is that? You know, as I pray for him and reflect upon this request, I realize that, is, that, that is, isn't it true that sometimes we say, we will do this, we will do that. By the end of this week, um, by the end of this, to, to the day, but we don't keep doing. it. And I I believe we don't intentionally lie like the Potiphar's wife, but are we sincere as we utter our words? In other words, do we mean what we say? Just listen to what David said or he prayed. Now, Lord, may the words that come out from my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. Meaning, mean what you say and say what you mean. And if you fail, sometimes we will. We may need to apologize and let the Lord continue to tutor our hearts so that we only say what's true. So, brothers and sisters, what can you do that will help you to say only what you mean? Are we speaking the truth all the time? Have we been keeping our promises to our loved ones, our colleagues, our bosses? Maybe we have promised to bring our parents, our children out but we have not done so. Coming Monday, Tuesday, holiday, reflect upon it and see if you could do something about it. Or perhaps we, we tell people, say, well, I wish to meet you, you know, we, we hope to catch up with you, but inside, actually you don't. Then don't say. Then don't say. Oh, you want to help people, but you can't, you look at your schedule, you really cannot. Then don't offer. Don't offer. Mean what you say, say what you mean. Now, no condemnation, but church, let's be a church that say what we mean and mean what we say. Because that is what a righteous man, a righteous woman should learn to do. So to pursue righteousness, we need to take only what's given and say only what's true. Is that all? Yes, words are important. But our actions are also, or as, or more important. That brings us to the last point for the day that... We need to do what's right. A married couple was walking down the route and saw another couple where this guy gently and lovingly hugged the lady beside him. The wife then turned to the husband and said, you see, you know, so romantic. You know, how I wish you can hug the lady the way the guy hugged her. Then the husband looked at them and said, cannot laugh. how can I go and hug the lady when I don't even know her? You know. <laughs> Alright. So, you see, the husband said the wrong thing. But at least you know what he should not do. The truth is, wisdom tells us the right thing to do, but righteousness only comes when we do the right thing. When we do the right thing. Listen to what Joseph said. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Joseph saw how the Lord has blessed him. If he was was still with his father Jacob He could have been just a sport child. But now, look at where he was. The Lord has blessed him. Having this gratitude, what did he do when he was tempted? He flee, He flee. Now, pursue righteousness involves also shunning away from evil. Not just don't do, but do something more. Not just do something more, but do something right. Not just do something right but do it consistently. Verse 10 tells us this. Day after day, day after day, Potiphar's wife spoke to him, lie with me, lie with me, lie with me, lie with me. You know, like singing the national anthem. You know? But you know, Joseph said, no, 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 no. And the day came where no longer Potiphar's wife used her words, she took action when she caught hold of Joseph by the garment and said, lie with me. Joseph's wife' actions was plain. Verse 11 tells us that you know, she waited for everyone you know, to go off. None of the men were inside except Joseph. It was intentional. But for Joseph, he also intentionally decided not to sin against God. He chose to please His master rather than the master's wife. He chose to please God than his master wife. He knew lightly this day would come. And if and it did, he just had to flee. He just to flee. Now Joseph would have fallen if he had not been consistently consistent. That requires determination. That requires self-discipline. That requires courage. Joseph would have Joseph lost his garment but kept his character. Verse 10 tells us this. Joseph did not lie with her, not even be with her. In other words, Joseph intentionally avoided Potiphar's wife. And if you think that Potiphar's wife did it because of love, listen to what she said after everything was over. He said to her husband, This is the way your servant treated me. Your servant, not mine. Your servant you brought in treated me. Didn't even mention Joseph's name because to her, Joseph was just another thing, another possession, another servant. It's interesting to note that Joseph did not defend himself. Some suggested that Potiphar knew exactly what happened. It was calculated that Joseph would have served this house for more than 10 years. In other words, Potiphar would have known Joseph well enough and I'm sure he knew his wife well enough as well. If not for such an incident, Joseph would have been put to death. However, he was put to jail. Going to... The prison could be a relief or even an escape for Joseph before something worse happened. And what is more important in verse 21 tells is that God continued to show his steadfastness and favor to Joseph. Very quickly, he was put in charge of the prisoners. A criminal to take care of criminals. How can that be? until we read the last part of this chapter, giving us the reason, because the Lord was with Joseph. And whatever he did, the Lord make it succeed. This verse is precious to Joseph. Why? Why? Because his brothers had betrayed him, but God was still with him. It's when Potiphar's wife accused him, God was still with him with him when Potiphar put him in prison God was still with Joseph is that good enough I think so for Joseph the question is brother and sisters when we choose to do what's right and then we realise is the result different from what we expected but God is still with us is that good enough for you our God is with us. We need to learn from Joseph to resolve in our heart not to sin against God. That is easy said than done. Do flee, you know, just wear your running shoes and then run, is it? No, no, no. You know, we need to prepare ourselves before temptation hits. So what do we do? Allow me to suggest to you four keys, four things that you can keep um, for me that has helped me. Hopefully it helps for you. The first, keep our time with the Lord intact. Keep our time with the Lord intact. Spend time with God daily. And don't be surprised, the Lord will warn you. Keep a short account with God. The truth is, we are sinners saved by grace. If we fail, confess, repent, and lean on God's grace to help us again. My brothers, this is God loves us. He wants to help us. Number three, keep, an account, keep accountable to people who can speak into our lives hold each other accountable as brothers and sisters. I've asked some pastors and elders you know, separately to hold me accountable. You know, because, I, because I think this is very important, I told them that if ever you sense that I've crossed the line or wonder why I do what I do, please, please confront me. Number four, keep in mind what would happen if we fall. Take some time to reflect the consequences you know, if we fall. There are consequences to sin. This is the reality. God can forgive us, but there are consequences. I make a list for myself. I encourage you to do that as well tonight. Just take a piece of paper and write down what would happen if you fall. For me, my wife would be deeply hurt. I wouldn't know how to face my children. I told them, follow God. And then after that, I do otherwise, my parents and in-law will be disappointed. They trust me. My in-law trusts me and, and, and give Winnie's hand to me. They would have been disappointed. My ministry and study would have been a waste. The people that I mentor would have been stumbled. My mentors would spend time with me, tutoring me, teaching me. Their time would have been wasted. And worse, I would have disgraced God's name and grieved him. And grieved him. So don't, don't. Take some time to pen that down. I still remember before I became a teacher, I was uh, working in an IT company. I had to travel quite a bit. It was, uh, once, uh, there was once I went overseas for training. Uh, during the training, the distributor, you know, shared with us, you know, some of his products. And uh, then after that, you know, after the, 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 the training, he told me, hey, you should try the massage in this hotel, very good, uh, you know, and uh, you must try, you know. Oh, so he sounded so convincing about the massage more than the product that he tried to sell. Yeah, <laughs> so I thought, I got a little bit time, you know, before I go to office tomorrow, you know, maybe I should give it a try and ask him, you know, how, how do you do that? He said, oh, very simple. You just go to the bellboy and ask him and then he will arrange for you. I said, okay. So I went to the bellboy. I said, um, they have a massage, massage. Oh, yes, sir. massage, massage. Clean or unclean? I say what? Why is he quoting Leviticus? You know, clean and unclean. But what does it mean? Oh, he was talking about the normal massage, you know, clean, you know. And then, then those that come with special service, not, not so clean, yeah. So I said, oh, I see, I see. And of course, I clean, you know. say clean. He said, oh, tomorrow, tomorrow, 9 a.m., you know, in, in your room, yeah. After that, I went back. Wow, there's so many thoughts that went through my mind that evening. Did I say clean? Or, or did I say unclean? Oh, dear. You know, I, I'm not sure, you know. What, what if the, the bellboy heard wrongly, you know? What if I, you know, though even, I didn't wear masks, you know? What if I, 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 I said wrongly, you know? And what if the, after the massage, the lady offered me something special something more? It was a mistake. I realised, oh, dear. But it's very late. So next morning, I went to look for the bellboy. can Couldn't find him, because afternoon shift. Wow, I started to panic. Oh, nine o'clock, nine o'clock. So I went back, I said, pray. I said, God, please, please. Ding dong, ding dong, nine o'clock sharp, open the door. Wow, thank God, it's auntie. Wow, auntie. I said, auntie, auntie, I'm so happy to see you. And then she came in and she said, okay, massage, massage. And then, because... You know, I'm not a person who usually go for massage. Actually, I, I, I don't. Uh, you know, I only accompany Winnie. You know, and that, that, that day, you know, I, I really don't know what to do. So I say, uh, so what do I do? He say, lie on the bed. Eh? or oh, sounds familiar. Lie on the bed. Okay, so I, I say, okay, okay. yeah. And what? I, I, she was so strong. And I must say that it was one of the best, actually the best massage I ever had. She was so strong. You know, so after everything I packed, you know, and I saw the distributor again, and he asked me, hey, do you, go, you do try the massage? No, I said, yeah, yeah. I said, wow, very good. She's very strong. He said, yeah, you know, and then and, and he told me this. He said that, you know, these um, aunties, right, you know, they, 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 they are not from, they are not local. Usually they, they are, you know, uh, in another town, and then they'll come to the city, you know, to, to, um, to, to find uh, jobs, you know, so that, you know, uh, they can earn a little bit more. So likely, you know, she was a farmer. You know, so strong that can turn a cow upside down. I say, yeah, yeah. Hey, how come I feel like a cow now? You know? <laughs> yeah. When he said that, i like, uh, okay, yeah, yeah. But thank God it went well in the end, you know. No, no, the truth is this. Actually, uh, I could count uh, the number of times uh, I was placed in such situation. Not, not such, but similar situation. And each time, The four keys I share with you work for me. Now, this is actually a very good place to end the message. Pack up, and then you say, wow, you know, very thankful for our pastor, you know, thankful for our elder. Well, if I do so, I don't think it may be very helpful for some of us. Why? Because in sharing such testimony, sometimes there's a few possible outcomes. For example, I don't face such situation. I don't face such problems. Not relevant for me. But the truth is we all face different kinds of temptations. It could be money, could be power, could be anger, could be lies or something else, not just lust. And yet God expects us to do what's right. Or the second group might felt condemned. Actually, I failed. I failed. And then you 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 sense this this sense of guilt, and then you, you you do not know what to do. No condemnation. No condemnation. I will share a little bit more. And the last one is even more dangerous. When you place your elders and pastor on the pedestal and say, wow, they are invincible. That is not true. Because the reality is we are as vulnerable as you. You need to pray for us that God will protect us from temptations. So how do we respond to preaching of such text and testimony in the Bible? That's why I want to bring you back to Genesis the total dog. You see, I started a message telling you that Genesis can be divided into 11 parts or the total dogs. And we are looking at the last one. You see, chapter 37 to 38 is part of this total dog. And they come together not by pure coincidence or mere sequence of event. Because if God is trying to say that, see, Judah failed, Joseph was the righteous man. Learn from Joseph. Then the question is, why did God choose Judah to be the ancestors of Jesus, the Lion of Judah? Why not Joseph? Or some may say, that, oh, because Joseph uh, you know, was righteous, but Judah repented. In Genesis chapter 44, Judah was prepared to take the place of his brother Benjamin when he was in danger. And that's true. But is that all? Until we understand that these two chapters tell us that at the end of the day, it is God who makes all the difference when it comes to overcoming temptations. What do I mean? Look at Genesis chapter 39, how it begins and it ends. It says that the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in all and whatever he did. Shouldn't that include overcoming temptations? I think so. After all, that chapter is about temptation. In other words, even if Joseph passed the test, it was because he has learned to stay close to God, to lean on to God who can help him. And when we miss this and we fall, then learn from Judah. Confess. Repent. And when you do that, God can restore you and redeem you and use your life for something more. I believe this is what God is trying to say in these three chapters. It is not about Judah. It is not about Joseph. It is about God who is willing and want to help us to live this righteous life that He wants us to pursue. Don't miss this. And David, King David, understood this where he wrote Psalms 19, verse 13 and 14 beautifully. He said, Keep your servant from willful sin. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgressions. May the words that come out from my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and redeemer. Why my rock and redeemer? I mean, there are so many names of God the Bread of Life, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Mighty One, the Holy One of Israel, why the Rock and Redeemer? Can I suggest to you that when we are able to stand against temptation, against willful sin, don't be proud because Jesus is the Rock whom we stand upon. But if we fail, then we can turn to the same God, our Redeemer, who can redeem us, restore us, like how he did for Judah and David. Jesus is our rock. Jesus is our redeemer. Genesis 37 to 39 is about a righteous God who, want us, who wants to help us to pursue righteousness with his help. So Brian says, do you need God as your rock and redeemer? Jesus is our rock. Don't be proud if we can stand firm. Jesus is, Jesus is our rock. Jesus is our redeemer. Don't be condemned because of what Jesus has done on the cross for us. It is good enough. That doesn't mean that we can continue to go and sin. Rather, we can continue to pursue righteousness again. So, are we then relying on God to do the next right thing? there is always the next right thing to do. The next one and the next one. Pursue righteousness. Keep pursuing righteousness. The next right thing. Keep pursuing it. And the challenge that Paul gives to Timothy is given to us today as well. Paul wrote, Now men of God, women of God, flee from all these things, all these evil things and pursue righteousness. The text address us as men of God and women of God. Eh? Well, I'm not a man of God. I'm not, a, I'm not a woman of God. Oh, until we understand where Paul was coming from. You are a man of God. You are a woman of God because you belong to God. God redeemed your life You are a man of God. You are a man of God. You are a woman of God. You are a woman of God. You are a man of God. You are a man of God. Even those online, you are a man of God or a woman of God because you belong to God. So, since we are all men of God and women of God, flee from evil and pursue righteousness as God's holy people. Knowing that you are a man of God and woman of God, Then, live as one. Live as one. And when we do that, we realise that eh, Christ is formed in us. Christ is formed in us. You may say that, how to pursue righteousness? Still not getting it. Take only what's given. Say only what's true. And do only What's right, and as we continue to do so together as a church, having Christ in us, then the next time when someone come on this stage and say, "Pursue righteousness," how does it look like? Then we will hear God say, "It looked like us in Christ. It looked like us in Christ." That's what and how righteousness look like. Let's close in prayer. Just close your eyes and bow your heads before the Lord. And take this moment just to ponder upon what God has impressed upon your heart this afternoon. You see, when the Word of God is preached, God desires for us to respond to Him. And maybe some, you know, who have not come to know Jesus, especially those online. If you are watching this, God is speaking to you. And if you have not come to know Jesus and you are struggling with some temptation and you realise that you just keep falling into it, it could be pornography, it could be lies, it could be anger or gambling or something that you know that is wrong. But you just don't have what it takes to overcome it. God wants to help you. I'm talking to you right now those online and those on site God is speaking to you say this prayer and Jesus will come into your life and bring about this change God did it for me and many of us and God can do it for you so for those who have not come to know Jesus say this prayer after me dear Lord Jesus I know that I have sinned against you I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the things I have done. Please forgive me. I believe you died for my sin and rose from the dead. And I'll turn from my sin and invite you to come into my life, to be my Lord and Saviour. In Jesus' name, I pray, Amen.